the Therapist Thrival Guide, where we cover all of the things that graduate school didn't teach you. Welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda Barker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Lucas Bellini, LMFT. And YouTuber. Yeah, exactly. And we have some special guests today. We have Erin Apoku. Hello. And we have Terry Bly, Dr. Terry Bly. Hello. Today we are talking about shrinking. This is a brand new show on Apple TV that we have been talking a lot about here at Ellie. And we wanted to to bring you all here to, to talk to a react. little bit about this. To react. This is the <laughs> ultimate therapist's react to. Exactly. We did a similar episode on Stutz that was super fun. We had Terry on for that one as well. So we had to bring her back for this. And Terry also has a podcast that I want to plug really quickly. Actually, do you want to share a little sure. bit about your podcast? Yep. So um, my podcast is called When Therapists Watch TV. So not unrelated to what we're doing today. Um, where we're going to be talking, we talk about different TV shows. Right now we're focusing on Ted Lasso um, and what we can learn about those um, from those shows about you know different mental health topics and just kind of about people. So it's um, it's not just for therapists. It's for everybody. Um, but yeah, we're... Every other Tuesday, episodes are coming out on YouTube and, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Perfect. It's a, it's a TV show. It, is, it has it a is, TV yeah. show feel. It is a podcast. Yeah. You can find it on audio, but it has a TV show feel. Yes. And so it was a no-brainer to have Dr. Terry Bly back on this episode because... Well, because I insisted. Well, <laughs> but also I would not... <laughs> I needed you in this. You, you were so helpful in the last one. Plus, yeah... I think it's 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 good. And then I had to have Erin Apoku on because she is our resident grief expert. And so when Oh sure. Yeah. So when <laughs> I hadn't actually made that connection. I just I said have... you had a lot of strong opinions about the show. Well, right. Right. I have strong opinions. But I love it from a grief. Pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love you. I love it. So when this trailer first dropped, um my dad sent this to me. Shout out to dad. Um, And he said, this seems like something that you would love. And he said, this seems like something that your podcast should cover. Um, Because he had seen the Stutz one too. Your dad's a YouTuber. He is a YouTuber. Um, We'll put the link in the description. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, And and then I sent it to to Terry and Aaron. And I was like, you guys, this, this show seems so crazy and so good and i think that aaron responded in all caps and was like no, yes! <laughs> Sign me we up. have to cover this no. yes so let's just jump in and talk about um this show as as of the recording date only four episodes have dropped by the time this airs there will be five episodes but um we want to talk about the first half of this season and then we'll have y'all back at the end of the season to talk more about this because I'm I'm imagining there will be a lot more to cover more developments more ethical dilemmas all the stuff so let's just jump in um first can we let's do like a quick overview of characters so we can remember everyone's mm-hmm. names because that's going to be helpful for me to yeah so we've got Jimmy is the main character yes um lost his wife Jason Siegel Jason mm-hmm. Siegel yep um harrison ford plays paul like the seasoned therapist practice owner oh yeah it's a practice yes yeah um say more who's who else is our co-worker the amazing third person in the practice yeah and then there's sean Sean, who is the one that comes to stay with Mm -hmm. 
with Jimmy. We probably Sean, won't have Sean, anything Sean's to say about f- that. Yeah. He's a featured client. Featured client. Yes. yes. Yeah. What's, what is the daughter's name? Are we remembering her? Oh, shoot. Hold on. I only have daughter. Is it Grace? Oh, it might be. That sounds right. Something like that. I, I have it here. Okay, you're going to Google it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Liz, Liz is Liz is the neighbor, nosy neighbor. I, I identify her as the overbearing. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Al- Alice is the Alice. daughter. There we Alice. Yeah. Great. And then Grace. Brian is the Same. friend, the l- lawyer who is also the friend, the who is always perky and, mm-hmm. and I love him. Everything goes his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that you might remember from Ugly Betty. The, the actor you who are plays so him. good at connecting these actors before we started yeah. filming you also said that liz was liz from scrubs. was in scrubs blew my mind i did yeah. not remember that at all but or and, realized and, that. and um harrison ford <laughs> is an actor who um no he's a pilot he's been in some things um you may have heard of him i mean this is where my knowledge of tv and film really comes in handy harrison ford <laughs> is a, a well-known was he he was in some stuff um hmm. i want to say an adventure movie yeah, was it was, something he was, uh, like he was getting the nazis getting yeah god well, that's one, a different one, one that i was thinking of <laughs> oh you might know him there was some space movie he was in Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> That's what it was. Yes. Space right. Balls. Shrink, yes, yes, yes. Shrinking was, I hate it. <laughs> and I love it. Yes, exactly. Huh? And you I can't exactly. look away. You can't and look I, away. But like, I hate what I love about it. Mm. Yeah. It's just tormenting. Wait, we, what do you, what do you love about it? Um, I want to be a psychological vigilante. Mm. <laughs> Called it. Yeah, so I guess like I've I've been searching for the right job title my whole life. You want to be Paul? Uh, no, no. Jimmy, Jimmy, be Jimmy. No, oh. yeah. Paul torments me. I'm so torn about Paul. Because, mm. like, don't get me wrong. I will most certainly be a grumpy old man. Yes, you will. And Paul's a grumpy old man. But I'm not gonna be grumpy for the same reasons Paul's grumpy. Paul's yeah. like the he's like a broken record of all the things I hate therapists say about therapy. <laughs> It's like, no wonder he's burnt to a crisp. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also fails, we can talk about it, but he also then fails to do the right thing, too. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. grumpy yeah. and kind of this hardliner, but also not. And Don't so let's, so, sorry, yeah. let, maybe set the context. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so shrinking is Jason Siegel shows up as Jason Siegel does in any other movie or TV show he's been in, just like a tall doofusy, yeah. like, oh, kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So he's a therapist, kind of supervised by Harrison Ford, who's another therapist. Um, but his wife had died, like, what, a year ago? I think this is a year yep, since yep. his wife died. Uh, he has a daughter, and he essentially just kind of loses his mind and mm-hmm. starts breaking all the rules of therapy. Both rules that are, like, more like practice guidelines, but then also just, like, Straight ethical yeah. violations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just mm-hmm. completely disregards them and just starts to see really interesting results of the impact mm-hmm. it was having on clients but also the consequences of a lot of the things that may have driven good results are having consequences yeah. that make sense of why they're on uneth- why they're, they're considered unethical, unethical yes mm-hmm. well and at the in the very first few episodes you kind of see success and positive mm-hmm. things happen when he breaks these rules and so when i first started watching this show I was like, I hope that there are some consequences <laughs> at some point. Like, I hope that this doesn't just go yeah. great for him. Yeah. Um, and so we're starting to see that, I think, as mm-hmm. we move through the season. 
so why don't we just start to thank you for adding context it's helpful um what are some ethical dilemmas some of the stuff that you're seeing if there if you guys can think of any do you want to just go through your notes Aaron? i have like you know (laughs) page full of all the things yeah as a therapist my stomach was turning as i was watching episode one and two a little less in three and four um but knowing that all of the rules that he was breaking as a LMFT, we are held to a standard that mm-hmm. all all of us therapists are. But I think with my background and knowledge within, it it made my gut just turn mm-hmm. seeing him make these mistakes. I think I was audibly right? whimpering throughout yeah. most yeah. of the first two. And I was like, they weren't mistakes because he was doing them intentionally. He was doing them. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Do you think that when clients or people who are not therapists watch this show, do you think that they can see, like, the alarm bells are going off as loudly in their minds as ours? As, wait, say that again. Like, as clients? Like, if, would if, they see that? Yeah, like, do you think... Uh, I don't think so. They So, do you think that they're watching this and being like, why? Like, sure, it seems weird that he moved the client into his pool house but like what's the issue with that right it's like my therapist had a pool house they knew i needed a place to say why didn't they offer for me (laughs) to come move Uh in which is maybe i'll just make one point one of the things i hate about this is like therapists don't have a pool house (laughs) my husband like like they really portray therapists as like these obnoxiously wealthy people that's the best i'm glad you said that not stressed about money at all my husband and i are watching this show and he'll be like gosh you need to go work at that (laughs) and i was like they've got to be private pay (laughs) exactly so they are in california so true true well although well for you that reimbursement rate i looked this up in california is not much higher or it might actually be the same as here so unless you're private pay counties too yeah if you're private pay that's the only way you're gonna have a pool house we don't know what the wife used to do that's true so maybe she was footing the bill if you're a therapist that wants a pool house just be intentional with Going to forensics and marry or marry up. Yeah. Yeah. What Um, I thought was funny is the one the one thing that that Jimmy does that that his client Sean brings up is kind of like this is what you're doing wrong is when Jimmy tells him about his wife Mm -hmm. dying Mm -hmm. and Sean goes, are you supposed to be telling me that? And I'm like, wait, that's the thing we're going to call out of all the stuff that's happening. We're going to call out that he said his ex that his wife died because. To me, that was one of the more normal things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was a strategic intervention that in the context of a therapy office actually could have been okay. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was funny that that's the one thing that gets kind of verbally called out in those mm-hmm. first few episodes is him telling Sean that his wife, not that he invites him to live at his house, not that yeah, he's like they, like. they drove to therapy together. Yeah. They drove to therapy together. Yes. Because yes. they live together. Yeah. So, so, why not, so why not carpool? <laughs> right. Yeah, so like, I just thought that was really funny that ex-wife. that was the thing that or came up. Wife. Yeah, <laughs> and so like maybe even so, the show begins with him just like getting frustrated, hitting a wall, and mm-hmm. starting to question yeah. like why therapists hold back so many yeah. things and so many because he's sitting there listening to that woman week after week. Yeah, talk about how she, you know, her husband treats her terribly, and and I think as therapists we can all relate to that. Like week after week. She complains and she doesn't leave and she tells about how awful he is and he points it out and then she makes it like, I get it. Yeah. Like we all get to a point where we want to do exactly what he did, right? Mm-hmm. So and Paul gives him like the worst advice ever, which yeah. is like, oh, that's just compassion fatigue. 
<laughs> we all experience that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. my gosh. Um, and then when he's like, and then he's doing that rant and he's like, but we know the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why don't mm-hmm. we just tell them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Paul's like, oh, and diminish their autonomy. You know, it's just like, my gosh, Paul's like, add, add <laughs> some nuance and complexity to these conversations. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think, so one of the things I hate about it is how they, they portray therapists in, like, all the worst ways, and then they just lie that we're rich. You know, it's like that's, that's not good PR for our industry. Um, what I loved about it is that he started to question a lot of ethical norms, mm-hmm. you know, that we adhere to, mm-hmm. but we don't scrutinize them enough. You know, it's so like that notion of don't ever tell a client what to do ever because that's diminishing their autonomy. Mm-hmm. It's like some people hear that, and so the interpretation is being as black and white as possible as they can be with that and like never doing anything directive with clients whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not going to be effective therapy. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Just the idea of giving advice, telling people what to do um, because we've all been in that mm-hmm. situation. Like I think, I think I, yeah, I can definitely think of different okay. clients that I've worked with that I just want to be like, leave him. Well, I've had leave clients him. for years who've gone back and forth, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth for years. Mm-hmm. And so I get like my husband was like, does this ever happen to you? And I was like, does it ever not happen to me? Like, yeah, this yeah. is this is mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. It is sitting with somebody as they go through this ambivalence and you sit and you hope you hold that for them and you reflect it back to them. And yes, there are absolutely times when you want to say, oh, my God, he's so, horrible. Why that, don't we? Well, and that's why I actually like that part, even though they're using these they're verbalizing it in the common language that is outside of therapy, right? That almost triggers us as therapists a little bit, like compassion fatigue. Yeah, is that triggering to us in our profession to go, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, to the layperson, I, I'm i hoping that people are looking at that and going, oh, these are real people behind this. Right. These therapists are real and they face mm-hmm. things that are really like, stressful and they're hoping that not all therapists are like that right like I hope that's where the storyline is going and that that we have boundaries put into place so we're not sharing that our wife just died but I'm in therapy right now with you so let's not talk about that Mm -hmm. like I'm hoping that's where this some of this stuff can be intentional and done well oh yeah right That that it's not what he's doing it's the how he's doing it I think well, that he crosses and he took the it line. to the extreme. Yeah, he's taking things to the extreme that we've all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what I what I like about the show is he. It's not it's not completely off the map from from how we think or how we reacted mm-hmm. or how we feel or even things we've said. It's just how extreme they are that and that and that is therapy, right? It's it's knowing that nuance. It's knowing how how to give that feedback maybe you don't say stand up and go oh my god just leave him like what the (laughs) hell is wrong with you it's saying so he sounds it sounds like he's pretty verbally abusive Mm -hmm. it's giving them that feedback of it's not saying well you you tell me what you think he's like you Mm -hmm. can as a therapist say well that sounds like verbal abuse Mm -hmm. how does that feel when he says it like you can you know you can call it out Mm -hmm. you can give them that alternative perspective and help them kind of get outside of their bubble and it's so it's it's not that you can't ever give someone feedback on the relationship and it's in your observations. It's that you just don't want to stand up and go, oh, my God, mm-hmm. leave him. Because as we see, once you give that advice 
and they they take it from you and they go make these huge choices well now now you're kind of responsible for whatever happens like now they're not taking that ownership of that decision they're saying well you told me to Mm -hmm. and now we wander into particular potentially difficult territory right which is a good point too because when we talk about that we always talk about it through the perspective of client's autonomy Mm -hmm. and not impeding upon it Mm -hmm. but it's it's People totally do it just to escape responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Like and they don't, don't want to take any yeah. ownership. And like, I get that, you know, it's like, that's wise to do in a lot of situations. Um, but again, like the, the extreme he took it to was leave your husband or I'm done being oh, your right. therapist. Yeah. He right. threatened her. That's right. Yeah. It was like an alternate. Yeah, he did. Deal, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, that, that's a no. Yeah. It's like, so <laughs> it's it like, I was all about like the initial glimpses of disinhibition because a lot of the stuff he was starting to do, like wasn't even really that out of bounds or unethical, mm-hmm. but then he just immediately went there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with like, you know, like we, you just need to be more creative in how you help people come to their own conclusions. And that doesn't mean you're not directive at all. Like being non being so like the postmodernist things, they have no influence over the client whatsoever, you know, cause they're the non-expert you know, they just kind of follow their lead. But it's like the the influence you're exerting is your postmodern method. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's always going to be a degree of influence we have on the conclusions that clients come to. And to suggest that that's a bad thing, I think is like arguably insane. Because then why have therapists? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so even it's like, should I leave my husband? It's like, well, why don't, how about this? Convince me why you should stay with your husband. Mm. You know, it's like, they're going to come to a different conclusion in that. Did I influence it? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I asked a really, really good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. a therapist, mm-hmm. and that's what we're supposed to do. Or even just say, walk through me. Okay, so you, you're wondering if you should leave your husband. Tell me what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Walk yeah. me through that. What would that be like? Yeah. And what would it be like to stay? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you can ask these questions in all sorts of ways that get to the same end point, but that aren't threatening them <laughs> mm-hmm. or badgering. I mean, he's threatening and badgering and that's it's not her decision then well and it's i think that it's also it's lazy therapy yeah that's what it mean. yeah and and like i get that when you have stuff going on in your personal life or if you have stuff going on like it might be hard to like mm-hmm. buck it up i don't know like it, it takes patience yeah. it, it does. takes so much patience and so I to do the hard, do it the hard way. Yes. And so I appreciate that this show is kind of it's 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 talking about how like their therapists are people too who go through stuff, and um, but I, <laughs> and I think it makes a good point of like, this is lazy therapy what he's doing, and like, if you are not in a good place in your personal life with other stuff going on, then you need to take a break or you need to like figure out how to take care of yourself. So you're not doing lazy therapy anymore. Well, and I think that goes back to kind of what I was saying about Jimmy and making these mistakes, because I think this is actually a result of him not being in a healthy mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right now. Definitely. Oh yeah. It it pushed him to that brink. This wasn't methodical. Like, mm-hmm. he hasn't been engineering ways to, no, exactly. you know, like to live within the ambiguity of the ethics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he had a breakdown. Yeah. He snapped. He totally, he snapped. yep. It pushed him to that limit where he was just like, I have no more patience for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Get that, like, make your decision here. And he, you see that in the other 
like clients that he's seeing as well. Like, and that's where I'm like, this break that he had, I'm hoping again in episode five, six, seven, eight, that we'll see that continue to evolve a little bit to know that he hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. He hit rock bottom in his profession because of his personal life situation. Well, I mean, he still has his license. Some way, some so way. far, so probably hasn't, so, so probably hasn't hit rock bottom professionally <laughs> yeah. yet. Yeah, but well, the, yeah, I mean, this there could be a yeah. RICO case that take out his entire practice. Oh, yeah, that's like that's the part that, I yell, that has me yelling. At like the this guy's TV. license is yeah. long gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Aaron. Out of curiosity, so when we kind of look at this with a grieving lens, too, it's been a year. Like, I think that there's there's an aspect that's like. When I'm watching this, I go, and I know this is wrong, but I go, friend, it's been a year, and and not that you're still struggling with this, but it's been a year, um, and you're just now hitting rock bottom, or has the has it mm. been this whole thing? Like, has the whole year just been like a mistake mm. after mistake after mistake, and we're just like joining at this moment? I, I don't know. I think that that's that's one question I had, where it's like, if this is where you're at a year after this, like. What's the year been like for you? Well, he's was being a shit dad. Yeah, he was yeah. just mm-hmm. checked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just checked out. Which is one of the things I was disappointed by and hated is like, oh, great. Another doofus, crappy dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, tell me your thoughts on, on like, the, where he's at in the so, grieving process. I mean, to know someone that is in that mindset of – losing a pretty strong attachment which from all of the information that we have so far it appears that way right like it looks like his wife was pretty engaged into their marriage mothering probably financially because she (laughs) because of the pool house house. Mm -hmm. um and so to lose something like that in such a abrupt Mm -hmm. manner for him to hit rock bottom a year later actually isn't a surprise to me Mm. to Mm. know that he may be just coming out of the fog sure um year one is chaos Mm. for a lot of individuals that lose such a significant attachment in their life and so to see him now struggle it doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all either. Mm-hmm. The first year you're in a fog. Like mm-hmm. the memories of the first year after something like that, you, you know, you're lucky if you remember what you did at all. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. You're on autopilot, um, especially if you're a parent. And obviously he was checked out. But if you're a parent who's who's trying not to check out, like you can do you. You can get yourself up. You can get yourself through your day. You can get your kids to school and wherever mm-hmm. and keep everybody alive. But the higher level thinking is very, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so but it's about a year when you're in when you start to like come back to yourself. Yeah, and and that's when the crazy <laughs> maybe starts to happen. Like that's yeah. when you're just trying to reintegrate all of it and because you're almost on like autopilot for a little while, and yeah. then it's like, oh, I'm starting to turn off autopilot, and then you're like, oh, and now you're awake. Oh shoot, and yeah. now when mm-hmm. well, I. You know, I'm I'm coming from a very much an attachment lens viewpoint Mm -hmm. on this, right? And so it appears that their marriage was probably close to 20 years, Mm -hmm. right? And so, and from my grief lens, I'm looking at it as going, 
that attachment has gone through so many challenges, so many bonding moments for the last 20 years. And for, you can't put a timeline on grief. Mm -hmm. You can't because Mm -hmm. it all is very much, you know, about the attachment that you hold with the thing or person that is no longer present. And so appearing that this attachment that he lost was so strong, it's gonna take a lot for him to regain a balance Mm -hmm. as well. And so, yeah, he has to do the bare minimum, which it appears that he was doing to get through some of that stuff to then, I'm curious as to is has it been a year? Have they had that first anniversary? Have mm. they because it can be a shifting point for a lot of people to go, holy crap, I've lived my life a year mm. without this individual that I absolutely love and loved. Mm-hmm. And so that can be part of that. So I'm curious as to kind of when the death anniversary is or was yeah. for them too. Was beautiful. Thanks, Lucas. You're good at this. I didn't. I, didn't I, didn't. I. I wasn't watching the show through that lens. Yeah. I was mostly just irritated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rewatch that, it, right? Well, I, yeah, I, I watched it and twice. I, it's like I, I'm already rewatching it in my mind. Yeah. Like as you say all that. Yep. And so it's like, yeah, there's a lot more room for sympathy for Jason Siegel. Well, and as a parent too, and I think you know, when I see parents, um. Um, you know, lose their lose their partner, and I I don't think they're able to be their best parent because oh, there's in so yeah. much pain, and we know that when we're in that much pain, we can't attend to others' needs. It's so hard because our in our insides are are hurting so bad that trying to then also attend to someone outside of us who's hurting. It can tax, especially, I mean, I, I don't know if this is true for, if this is gender difference, but I would guess that men already get so little practice in understanding their emotions and knowing how to talk about them and process them and express them, that then trying to hold their pain and then their child's pain, um, I think, again, not just for men, but I think for, for parents, that gets to be really hard. And I think you'd ask, if you ask most parents who lost their co-parent, um, how their parenting was in that first year, I think you're going to find most parents are going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember half mm-hmm. the things so I like, did. Or longer. You, so or like longer, the extent yeah. of like his complete disengagement mm-hmm. and like complete absence. Like couldn't even go to a soccer game. Yeah. Like that's yeah. more typical than not. I don't know about that. Again, everything's extreme on the show. But but okay. her but his daughter's comment of like, you know, I lost her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably pretty typical oh, of how mm-hmm. kids feel. Okay. Is like I lost my parent, and I feel like my parent who's still here is also gone. Is I also was, gone. Yeah. That actually, I've heard that from clients. I mean, oh, I yeah. think that is super common where mm-hmm. kids feel like they didn't just lose one parent; they lost both. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the other one, who's what they need so badly in this moment, can't be there because they also are in the same. Like they can't function. They can't be present. And so kids, I mean, I, I really, I hear that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think it's interesting from, again, the grief lens of watching Jason go through Jimmy, however we want to call it, whatever his name is, um, go through this, his, the scene where he's kind of sitting in the dark in episode two, 
and he's looking up and he like sees his wife right Mm -hmm. and it's Mm kind of dark and then all of a sudden the light flips on Mm -hmm. and it's his daughter Mm -hmm. and so right there's the impact that the loss of his wife Mm -hmm. had and she is now that representation of of something Mm -hmm. that he lost Mm -hmm. yep and he can't face it Mm -hmm. he's not ready for it like he physically like shakes him himself or his head to like get him back into like oh yeah i'm dad and then he reverts to his mm-hmm. humor to get through it which i see a ton mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. as a way to really avoid any of the pain um that he's seeing mm-hmm. we had a previous episode um where kyle ross joined and talked about navigating tragedies as a therapist mm-hmm. and i'm curious to hear both of your thoughts um if you are a therapist that's grieving and going through such a huge loss and you're also trying i mean maybe you're trying to parent maybe you're not but like how on earth do you still show up for clients during this time do you how much like how much time do you take what well personally i took a year off yeah when it happened to me like i i knew that there was no showing up Mm -hmm. and even when i came back to doing it it was like nobody was going to give me therapist of the year award the, uh, when I got mm-hmm. when I came back but that first year I thought there's no I like my kids will still tell me things hey mom remember when you let us like remember when it flooded in the parking lot and you let us go out and swim in it and I'm like I that didn't happen they'll be like oh totally yeah. happened I'll be like <laughs> okay what else did I do remember you put us on yeah. that city bus and we were like 11 and yeah. sent us to summer school and we had to like oh I don't oh I did that Jesus what was I doing? like there's mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. and, and I wasn't working mm-hmm. um and so I think I think if you go through a tragedy that huge, I think you really have to ask yourself if you can. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that financially that – so side note, make sure you and your spouse have life insurance. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> because, I mean, for mm-hmm. real. Because yeah, if I had had – The cheaper it is. If, yeah, and if I had had to go back to work, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know mm-hmm. what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably would have ended up losing my license too. Like I just – because I couldn't. There's yeah. no way. And so I think it's really important to know that we can't as therapists, this job in particular, it's one thing to be an accountant and go back to your desk job and like use it as kind of an escape mm-hmm. and a way to just like do something you know and familiar mm-hmm. and kind of go on autopilot. But when your job is to then sit and hold other people's pain and listen to them talk about grief and loss and death – it's it's asking too much of ourselves to think we can like put our own stuff aside when it's still raw and fresh. I mean, I just think that. I mean, I don't know what you think about this, Aaron, but I think that's asking yeah. a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I mean, it obviously it differs for each individual, but I think it also has to do with how the therapist, whoever lost that other individual, is doing mentally, making sure that they have their resources. Their mm-hmm their family, their therapist, all of that to really call them out to go, are you, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Like you do a really tough job. Are you in a balanced Mm -hmm. mindset to be actually engaging into this? Because I think part of it is also we, we need that break in our brain. Sometimes we can't just fully engage into grief all day, every day. It's not going to make it go faster. Mm -hmm. And so it's about recognizing where am I at, what am I capable of, and does my current position allow me to have that freedom mm-hmm. 
to still engage into this. And so, you know, people say, oh, should I take like a month off? Sure. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Awesome. I did you some know? temp office work before I actually came back because mm. I just wanted to test just how could I, like, yeah, how would it work just going yeah. to do work every day. still fire. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Am right. I still a functional adult? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'll start with temp work, like office stuff, knowing that there's no emotion in that. Mm-hmm. And then if I can do that, then, you know, see how it goes. You know, I just think, yeah, you, you do. You have to know yourself. Um, and it was also, I know early on, I had to, I had to let some clients know that they probably need, you know, that I would connect them with a different therapist because it yeah. was going to hit too close to home. Yep. And so I think that's important too, is to recognize in yourself, can I, can I keep an objective distance from this or yeah. is this too mm-hmm. close? And it's going to, I'm going to spend all my energy just trying to keep my own shit to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think having that self-awareness is key, which again, back to Jimmy, he has no self-awareness. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which is the frustrating part going back do you, do you agree do you i don't know no, you think I, yes? I think uh, I, he knows what he's doing is wrong yeah, that's, why so? he, well, that's why well that's why oh, he yeah. keeps he, it from paul yeah. like he, i suppose yeah. but he also thinks it's right there yeah he's think, like a i'm getting rewarded by by doing this because it's working so there is like a this is i'm going to keep doing it because it's working but i'm not going to talk to the people who could get me in trouble so he knows he's embarking upon an experiment yeah and he's like gathering the data Mm -hmm. as it comes to him but it's like a horribly unethical experiment okay so going off of that though um there were some other ethical concerns that we had we (laughs) brought up like the him going to the client's house and I mean I'm curious we talked a little bit about this earlier but um what do you guys think about that whole dynamic that happened in episode four Four. I think Mm -hmm. I don't think there's an ethical dilemma around it at all I think he's called in-home family therapy (laughs) I think he did exactly what he needed to be doing Mm -hmm. he just maybe didn't set it up very well no but he didn't do any of the things that in-home therapists do so that's what I wanted to kind of yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so what's the difference what's the difference between in-home therapy and this therapist just going to his client's house doing exposure therapy or consent (laughs) well but it seemed like she she knew he was coming over yeah But, but but that decision was made in the heat of the moment while she, they were at a park or something like that. I can't remember where they mm. were. Right? Oh, I don't and, remember that. Maybe I spaced that out. I thought, s- yeah, because yeah, they sat on the park bench, and so she was dirty. Mm, that's and right. And so she had to oh, change, right? So he was working on exposure work, which is also something I fully love, right? But she, he was exposing her to some of the, th- you know, the – bits and pieces that create her compulsions, mm-hmm. right? And letting her recognize that she can sit in that uncomfortable, sit in that, you know, up, in all of the negative thoughts that she was having, right? And to be able to do that, he had to bring her home because she wouldn't, wouldn't, and this is an assumption, she probably wouldn't have felt that level of discomfort if they went back to the office. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so I see his where he was going oh, with yeah. that. That could have been a brilliant intervention. Yep. It totally could and have. And things that if we had less busy schedules, you know, like we mm-hmm. could get more involved with our clients at the level of community engagement and participation. It's oftentimes not 
a reality just because of time like constraints yeah. it's like who has time for totally. that um, and there are a number of other issues when you do it as in-home therapy it's like that's what they sign up for mm-hmm. your informed consent, consent and orientation yeah. goes over the things that are going to be relevant to that mm-hmm. but because of it's like jimmy he, he wasn't paying attention to what was happening and so like what ended up happening was when he sat down on the couch with her she tried to kiss him mm-hmm. you know and then you look back at the context and it's like they just have a pretty intimate moment you know, in a park, which is already something different. Then he says, all right, well, let's go back to your place mm-hmm. now. <laughs> she has another big feet, which he celebrates, sits down to her, sits down right next to her he on her couch her. Yep. and yep. like boosts her self-esteem mm-hmm. up in a way that no man o- ever has before. Yeah. And yep. so it's like, yeah, so she goes to kiss him. Yep. So where like, did it go, Jimmy? So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think she, she had such a, shift in recognizing her abilities like the like i was saying that flood of dopamine what she probably hasn't felt that in what how many years she was so high yeah on the good stuff she was just like what else can i do Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think she attempted more than one yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and i think where he he went maybe if we look at where he went wrong ace i think this is again when, he's, when you're doing everything off the cuff, you don't have that opportunity to sit down and say, mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do. Exactly. Here's why. And then I think generally speaking, there's a reason we sit across from our clients and we don't sit, ne- sit next to them on our couch. Yes. Like, I think I think we can all agree that like you don't do that for a reason and this is the reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that every client is going to make a pass, but you want to make that boundary clear. <laughs> yep. You want to make the difference between a date and a therapy session mm-hmm. clear, mm-hmm. a date's going to sit next to you on the couch. Mm-hmm. Your therapist is going to sit across from you. And mm-hmm. I think those yeah. little things are so huge that takes a potentially brilliant intervention and turns it into a disaster. One thing that was kind of at top at the top of my mind when I was watching this whole scene play out is how much he could have benefited from virtual reality therapy. <laughs> because there's some VR slap some it VR ex- glasses on her and like yeah. that's the purpose of virtual reality therapy so that the therapist can mm-hmm. go with the client mm-hmm. in these places that mm-hmm. are uncomfortable, expose them to these different things and be with them during that time. And so I think that like that's what I kept thinking about. And we're going to have an episode about virtual reality therapy in two weeks, so stay tuned. But, like, that's what I kept thinking about because I was like, that is that is why virtual reality therapy is helpful is because you're getting this mm-hmm. without, like, the the blurred lines or the or the time constraints. And, and, and they things. sign a separate consent. Definitely. <laughs> they, yes, yes. Well, and, and, like, the coffee shop thing, when he took his client to the coffee shop, yeah. I, I think on the face of it – that's not unethical. Mm-hmm. Like there could be no. a way to do this. That's yeah. when he ditches him because he's got something else he has to do. Again, it's it's there are elements of, of most things that he's doing that aren't a hundred percent bad, and, and they have been. They could be beneficial, mm-hmm. but it's this way he had. It's just it feels so non intentional. Yes. Yes. That it ends up causing harm because mm-hmm. he's not setting it up with the person. He's not making sure that he's doing it in a way that feels that's, that's you know, therapeutic for the client. And he's letting his own needs get in the way every single time. Mm-hmm. Right. It's his own stuff that just keeps, you know, yeah, inserting itself. Now his agenda is how much can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. How much more can yeah. I push even it? Even this, whole, yeah, even this whole mission he's on yeah, is he's, about he's him. just getting lost in that. Mm-hmm. You know, but like taking uh, his client who was a combat vet, 
you know, who's arrested for assault. <laughs> the one you know, it's like hurts the most. That's and he takes him to a UFC gym to go spar. That's right? brilliant. I thought that was great. You know, but then he's like, All right, you can move into my pool house. <laughs> Well, okay, so, no, going back to that, like, that was uncomfortable for me to, like, watch, though, too, where it's, like, he takes him to the the gym to fight, and I was, like, that seems a little bit weird, but, like, are there concerns within that? Like, what were what were your, your reactions to him taking him to the gym and encourage that fighting? Actually, that didn't bother me, me as much mm-hmm. as... Everything that happened. Yeah. Everything else happened. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. didn't bother me as it, much either. I, yeah. And I think it... More or less, coming from my background, knowing that I I was, you know, doing in-home for so many years and doing with my clients really actually accelerated them into believing in themselves mm-hmm. to know that they could do it. Mm-hmm. And so knowing what I – I mean, I hate fighting. I'm like, I'm not a physical – like, don't make me watch boxing. And at the same time, there's a lot of self-control – that can be built when you're engaging into that practice of, you know, boxing or karate or it, all of those things. I'm and learning so, to channel. I mean, he's yeah. teaching him like you can channel this stuff yeah. that you've got. Yep, there's yep. a there's an appropriate, totally. and that's a lot of what we do in therapy is let's figure out the right channel for this. How can you get out these emotions? How can you express this part of yourself in a healthy way so that you don't keep ending up in jail? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like mm-hmm. taking seriously the reality of what his problem was, which mm-hmm. he's explosively violent. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. that comes out, he has not demonstrated an ability to have any restraint. Mm-hmm. Like he can't pull back. Like mm-hmm. he devastated this person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I brought him, uh, found him in jail. And so it's like they show up for a therapy session that's court ordered. They have a lot of rage in them. They're, that's alive right now. It's like you can't expect them to just stop it. It's like, all right, don't just stop doing that behavior as we figure it out, mm-hmm, like how yeah. you can stop doing that behavior. Mm-hmm. And so he found a appropriate avenue for him to still exercise that energy out there safely, you know, which theoretically would suggest that he'd be less reactive, you know, on kind of a day-to-day basis. But not necessarily to say that that's his end game is to just beat people up in UFC right. gyms all day. It's like part of a it, – or it could have been part of a process for Jimmy. It was just like this was my idea right now. Yeah. Nothing else. And I'm an experiment on my clients to Mm -hmm. see how this works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I guess, I mean, overall, that's the issue, right? He's just experimenting off the cuff to make his job more interesting for him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got beat up by the woman's husband who he told to leave him. Right. (laughs) Which we haven't, we haven't revisited her in a little while. I know that he ran into her on like the, the trail, Mm -hmm. but it, but like we haven't seen them, and so I'm, I am a little bit curious to see it, like whatever what ends up happening, or if they end up coming back, or if if no, she comes pro- back for therapy. Gay. I don't know if she'll come back. Well, because he kind of said, "I'm gonna, f- I'll, fi- I'll well, fire you." But she went you. back to the guy, right? So, so she's not gonna go back to her therapist because, because she yeah. chose to go back to the guy, and she yeah, knows he's gonna point. judge her. Mm-hmm. She yep. knows Jimmy's gonna judge her. She know- she already knows how he feels about it. So why would she go back to him? So that I think is one of one of the big reasons too we don't just tell people what mm-hmm. to do is yeah. because that is yep. the reason we tell we don't tell people yeah. what to do now we're another person in their life that they have to worry about disappointing yeah exactly yep. Yep. yeah and that they again they they don't have that sense of ownership over that decision if they made the decision of their own and then it goes poorly they're still going to feel okay about coming back to therapy because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're going to say so i tried this one and this is how it went 
And if you've got if you've had that non-judgmental stance with them, again, it doesn't mean non-judgmental doesn't mean no opinions mm-hmm. or thoughts or reactions. It means I'm not going to judge you yeah. for what you're what choice you make. I'm telling you what I'm hearing. You're telling me about these things he's saying to you. Sure sounds like verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Tell me like so tell me what what's the what, what keeps you with him? What are the things you be, how do you benefit from this relationship? And helping them understand the both end of it and letting, you know, you can reflect back that that is verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Like you know, him telling you, you you're worthless, that's verbal abuse. So tell me about that. Like I think when you take it from that stance, then the decisions they make feel like you're reflecting back to them. You're just another voice. You're not a judgment. Mm-hmm. You're not saying what is wrong with you for staying. Right. Yeah. And that is all the difference in the world. I think you nailed it. Yeah. But because now she isn't. She had to lie to him. Mm-hmm. After she left, she had to lie to him. Oh, it's great. No, I really love it out here. And I'm so <laughs> glad. Like she had to lie because she couldn't tell him the truth because she knew he'd get mad at her. And that's mm-hmm. what they yeah. deal with with their friends already. Like, that's exactly how it plays yeah. out. Like, right. their friends yep. get burnt out. Yep. You know, they're like, just leave him, leave mm-hmm. him, leave him. They don't. And then the friends eventually are like, okay, now I need to set a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's exhausting. But the therapist is supposed to be the exception yeah, to that. it's supposed to be better. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what are some of the, your other notes that you, you <laughs> took? Let's dig into some. It's all from the grief perspective on it and noticing and identifying some of the points they're attempting to make in a – more social platform right and like so well first first episode i love how they identify how role changes happen within fa- family mm-hmm. dynamics yep daughter is taking care of dad daughter is taking care of dad he again he is in that fog and can't even function as a human really other than going to work and eating and sleeping mm-hmm. if he does that Right. But we all know that he was also numbing Mm -hmm. for the majority of that year as well. Right. Um, So that was definitely something. Well, we also don't know that he was doing any housework before his wife died. So that is (laughs) valid. It's possible that he just continued not doing it. And so she had to do it because he still wasn't doing it. That's a good point. Yep. And showing up. Right. Like, I think the other piece of that I absolutely love about it is that it's starting to call to light the different types of grief Mm -hmm. that happen when you lose a best friend, you Mm -hmm. lose a neighbor that you were engaged in. Um, You, for even Paul being diagnosed, spoiler alert, diagnosed with Parkinson's, you know, in Mm -hmm. episode two, you start to see his Mm -hmm. grieving process around what, what that's going to look like. He's a terrible dad, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well no, I actually I don't, don't think, think so. he is. I think he didn't face the pain and grief from his divorce, yeah. which allowed to, like, put a boundary in place. And distance. Yeah, he's, so he's a terrible, like, but, he, his daughter showed up to show him pictures of his grandchildren. As I if don't they were think Paul new. has another therapist. Like, he needs yeah. a therapist. Yes. All of these yeah, people so, like, need I, And, like, one of my... Yeah. And I think maybe, he, maybe I saw I'm him somebody was men. trying. I saw him as trying so hard to connect with his daughter and yeah. not knowing well, how. Because it broke coming my heart. to coming to realize how far away she's become, which yeah. is a product of his own irresponsibility. Uh, I would say. See, I didn't see it that way. I sure did. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like when people are struggling. It's like, yeah, take I have nothing but like sympathy and compassion for that. But like, but especially I would say when it comes to kids, 
you know, over there, there's a point in time where it's like if there are resources available to you, and especially to people who are psychologists, and again, you can't put a timeline on it, but it seemed like it had been years since he's had a relationship with his daughter. Yeah. Well, and there's a ton and of the distance. And if it was a product yeah. of his own inability to effectively cope with divorcing their mom. Well, but if you think about like if, if given his age, he would have probably divorced in like the 80s. Yeah. But men had no parenting rights. Women were given full custody of the kids and they were allowed to move to different states. There weren't a lot of things. There was certainly no reunification therapy in the eight like that didn't exist well, so we would need more context and yeah right. i think we need more i think a lot of dads just got pushed out they were just kind of given the message that you're actually optional so mm-hmm. i would just like to see mm-hmm. a dad uh, you know like we it's it's just phil yeah dumpy right now yeah. who's it's a phil- good tv dad so like, yeah i just want to where are the good phil tv dumpy. dads it's like because we know men don't know what to do because men have no idea yeah. of what to do. It's yeah, just like, yeah. so let's start showing some men who do know what to yeah. do because there are men That's who fair. know what to do. Yeah. That's and why like, I hate wait, commercials. I more commercials that. always paint men as total Doofuses. idiots who can't even microwave macaroni and yeah. cheese. And it makes me yeah. crazy. Like, it doesn't do men any. It, it does no. both men and women a disservice yeah. to paint mm-hmm. men as like, oh, I don't know how yeah. to do life. Four mm-hmm. out of five times I nail Easy Mac. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of when I was little. I remember watching. Did you guys ever watch The Fairly Odd Parents? Yes, my kids watched it. I just I remember watching it when I was little, and my dad watched it one time, and he was like, "You're done with this show. This is the dumbest dad I've ever seen on TV." Because he has the same I'm opinion such a as fan you. Of your dad. I know, I know you are. Um, yeah. But it, like, he watched a show with me. He was like, "You're done. You're never watching this show again. This is the dumbest TV dad I've ever seen." Yeah. And yeah. it stuck with me. It, like, yeah. I can't watch that TV show. TV dads, so by and large, tend to be yeah. pretty dumb. Your dad raised the bar for you. There you go. But see, I saw I saw, <laughs> saw Paul enough for Colin to get under it. <laughs> I saw Paul is not um, my husband, dumb. not my dad. Yeah, I didn't Sorry. see I didn't Paul as the dumb dad. Jimmy's the doofus dad. I saw Paul as actually what I tend to see more in my practice, which is men who are trying so hard and don't know how to do it. Yeah. Don't know how to be vulnerable. That's the part I see. Like, yeah. Don't know how to be vulnerable with their kids, don't know how to be vulnerable with their partners, and it just keeps getting in the way. Well, and I think. And they don't know how to fix it. Paul is also a representation of the individuals that were brought up in that culture and the society Mm -hmm. of what is a father figure Mm -hmm. as well. And so I think that's what I see in him of going, I. I did my best and I really messed up mm-hmm. and I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't know how, how to, fix, to it. fix it. Well, he was gone on all of those Star Wars thing. <laughs> he was so busy. Yeah. He was so busy he trying was, to yeah. like find Indiana the Ark Jones. of the Covenant or something, yeah. whatever he was doing. Yeah, like, He's a very busy man. Yeah. It's, it shows Chewbacca over his His daughter, children. his daughter could have had some compassion there, but her dad was a, yeah, yeah. yeah heading up get, blockbuster movies. Save the galaxy. Yeah, he had to save he the galaxy. He helped take out the Death Star. <laughs> but yeah. no, she was worried. He's all upset that he wasn't yeah. there for emotionally. <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, to go to kind of Miranda's point, like, what else? What else have you seen in here? Right. Like, I think this is actually there's so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many layers in this show and, and within the characters only, and within the characters. And so we're building that, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Right. And like seeing how everyone is slightly impacted yeah. by the death of this yeah. one person. Yeah, it That's throws everyone point. into a tailspin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I love Gabby, mm-hmm. be- the other co-worker therapist. The one that, that lies friends. about the basketball. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and the godmother of oh, yeah. the daughter. Liz. Um, oh, no. Gabby's the godmother, right? Gabby yeah. is the godmother. Yep. And so, like, how she had her life continued to move forward, but she's grieving her best friend. Mm-hmm. And she's going through a divorce. And her and marriage is falling That's apart. right. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but she's yeah. hydrated. So she's she hydrated. Is hydrated. We all, I think, a, a piece of her going, okay, what, how can I keep moving forward? Yeah. What can I focus my mm-hmm. energy into? What coping skill? I need to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. I need to, <laughs> like, all of these things. I need to dress myself up and feel and embrace all of this empowerment mm-hmm. that I'm feeling from this decision I've made. Yeah. Right? She doesn't even tell Jimmy about it until. Like, she has to because he calls her out in it, Mm -hmm. right? And so she was protecting him from any more sadness because she was afraid of how he would take it. Mm -hmm. I think I'd say my frustration with this show, like, when I'm yelling at the TV, it's not (laughs) – it's actually not as much with Jimmy. I get more frustrated with Gabby and Paul for not holding him accountable. Mm. That's where the therapist in Mm. me – it's like you you have to like you can care about this man and he's because I think his colleagues like we have a responsibility and it's in our ethical I mean it's in mine I don't know your guys ethics code, but like we <laughs> have to say something and then if they don't change mm-hmm. we have to report it mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah so for Paul and Gabby to be seeing what what Jimmy is doing and just being like Hey, bud, yeah. maybe that's a bad idea. Yeah. Here's, a like, yeah, mm-hmm. here's a potato. Yeah, here's a potato. I'm that, mad that, at you. That's why your client shouldn't live with yeah. you. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Cool. That's what makes me crazy. Because I feel yeah. like the show has a responsibility. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm mad at the show. I feel like they have a responsibility to let the public know that actually we have to report that shit. Oh, but that, right. that is and not. It, and like when it's someone you're close to, yeah. it's just like, like if you were doing this, I'd be like, Terry. Yeah. Like, don't make me do this yes, to you. Yes, exactly. Because uh-huh. I will. Uh-huh. You are going you, to lose your it, license. It will be painful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You, under no uncertain terms, will this lead to you not ever practicing again. Yeah. So you need, like, take a pause. I'm in, I'm actually just going to suspend you right now so you yeah. can get your therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what a caring and loving response would be. Hand so me your DSA. Would be like, yeah, you're in a car wreck right now. When Paul is tiptoeing I mean, that's how i'm gonna identify this and he even ca- says the words dual relationship mm-hmm. in episode yeah. four yep. i was like yes i noticed that too this is where this we're is going a dual thank relationship. you thank you thank you and i was like and then they, it just kind of pittered out yeah. and i was like yeah. okay we're not gonna hold up this anyone is, this is the extreme version of dual relationship let's just yeah. be mad at liz for telling paul you don't need to stop hanging out liz is great liz is cool liz <laughs> held that family together liz is cool <laughs> oh i have so much to I say don't, about I, liz. yeah wait a second wait a second wait a second yeah. Um, finish your thought on dual relationships yeah, yeah. because we're running out of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so dual relationships. I'm glad that they brought it up, right? Like I have to understand that this is a TV show and they can't cover everything mm-hmm. in the 30 minute episodes that they have, right? So I wish they were an there's hour. so mm-hmm. much in there for 30 minutes mm-hmm. of your time. So I'm glad that they brought it up. I'm hoping that they are going to continue, right? Because I hope that... Paul will hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. I there think need to be consequences to this. I think he's mm-hmm. working on being compassionate right now and understanding what Jimmy went through. Mm-hmm. Um, not my leadership style. I'm gonna call it out in the moment. And I think I think we're moving in that direction. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. Um, do you want me to dive into Liz and why? No, let's no, save let's, her for let's next, let next Liz episode. episode. Okay. And just yeah. to make the point too, though, that like that's why I mentioned they have a Rico case on them. Because what does that mean, Rico case? Like a Rico case is when 
they have enough felony, like evidence of felonies in an organized crime syndicate oh. that anybody who they can demonstrate is tied mm-hmm. to that syndicate will get yeah. prosecuted mm-hmm. for yeah. all the felonies. Like not so, you, so yeah. like you don't have to be the one who murdered people, but if you were there mm-hmm. and you're part of an organization yeah. that you knew was murdering people, mm-hmm. you get yeah. you get prosecuted yeah. for that. Yep. And so like in this case, if yeah. If my regulatory board learned that yep. uh, MFT was mm-hmm. living with a client, mm-hmm. and then they learned that I knew of this mm-hmm. and did nothing, Absolutely. they could take my Here, license yep, away. Yep. They're yep. all done. That's what I mean. Like th- that's where I get the most frustrated. Is yeah. this is like I keep saying? My presence lets me say over and over again: is this practice is done. Like this, <laughs> these guys yeah. are tanked. All like done. this is one one client complains and it is over. Mm-hmm. Game over. Paul for will all be three relieved. You know, Gabby will be devastated. <laughs> yeah. And She'll have to get rid of her Tesla. Jason Siegel will just keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. So that's where I get angry is like this is actually like they're all tanking their own careers because yeah. they love him. But if they loved him, like this was a real life situation. Like if you love that person and you also love your career, mm-hmm. you, you can't just let this you gotta go. hold them accountable. Yep. So <clears throat> on that on that note. There's like six more episodes in this season. Oh, is there really? I think, yeah. I think there's going to be ten. Oh, they really bought all, they went on all, all in on the show. I know. So I'm oh. excited. We will, we're going to bring y'all back. We'll do a part two and talk more about this because I am hopeful that the characters continue to evolve. These, these ethical issues start to get sorted out. <laughs> I want some consequences to happen. <laughs> you know, all a- the Apple things. Apple TV is always one step ahead of us. You I know, love like that. Everything I need. And Roy Keane's a writer on this show, too. Oh, really? I don't know what From his real Ted name Lasso? is. Yeah, so one of the oh, main yeah. writers on Lasso is on him. this one. And so, like, you can see this a similar complexity in the characters. So. Yes. I want to know what the therapist is that they brought in. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's my big question is... Phil Stutz. <laughs> so, full circle. If you liked this episode, you're going to love Terry's podcast. Go to the link in the description, and then you'll be able to dive more into the Ted Lasso episodes, hear all about how we can psychoanalyze and what we can learn from different TV characters. And we also have the other episode about Stutz that I'll also link in the description. And then stay tuned. We're, we're jumping into an innovation series where we talk about all of these different innovative therapies. So that will be coming next. And then after that, we'll do a part two of this episode <laughs> or this, this show. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to our guests for joining and talking about this, this awesome topic. And Loved it. Yeah, hopefully we didn't spoil too much for y'all. But next time, finish the series yeah. before Therapists you Therapists, watch the show and take exactly. notes. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. <laughs> The Therapist Thrival Guide is one of many creative productions from Ellie Mental Health. Ellie is an outpatient mental health clinic that began in St. Paul, Minnesota, and has continued to expand to over 20 clinics in Minnesota and a growing number of franchisees across the country. We'll be opening over 500 locations in communities nationwide in the near future. Thanks for listening to The Therapist Thrival Guide, a podcast produced by Ellie Mental Health. Please be sure to subscribe and review this podcast on your favorite platform. I'm Miranda Barker, executive producer, Jesse Stenbroten is the technical director, and Julia Galloway is our incredible audio engineer. Our production team also includes Lucas Mooney and Tu Fam. Special thanks to our incredible guests that join each week, and we'll see you next week.